The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. I'm so excited you're here today. Last week was a special day celebrating baptisms. That was probably one of the highlights of my, just in the history of the creek. It was awesome. I loved it. And uh, I look forward to the next one. I'm already, I think we already got the next one on the schedule. So if you're wanting to be baptized, if you see them at the welcome center, welcome table, they can get you on that list. And uh, it's a great celebration. I love it. Um, Also, uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve services. Y'all looking forward to Christmas Eve services? Yeah. And we're going to be no stress, right? Because all the shopping's going to be done. You know, we're doing them early so you can go to families because Christmas is kind of one of those things that, you know, you go got to go to one house maybe on Christmas Eve and another on Christmas Day. And so uh, we're doing our services at two and four to give you time to go to one of those houses. Or if you're going to do the four Christmases things and lie to your family and tell them you got a six o'clock service, just go enjoy dinner, okay? Just don't lie to your family. But um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve. I have not started shopping yet. So I like to live dangerously. Um, I'm waiting on the sales. I'm the procrastinator. I get the procrastination special. And um, yeah, I don't want to go near the mall, honestly. I drove by it and it was awful. I mean, it was just chaotic. I I, I drove by it. The only reason I drove by it is because there's been something that is, uh, honestly, I think it's changed my life. It's that that Tech Express lane. You know the one I'm talking about? It's, it's expensive, but you get to drive by, everybody go, ah, suckers. You know, you drive by, everybody stopped. I, I had to go to Ikea this week, and, you know, I should have asked you to pray for me before, because Ikea, to me, is like a mini model of hell. Um, it's, it's awful. And Heather was smart. She did something very smart. She fed me before we went. But Ikea takes so long to go through. It's one you, got, you need to eat before you go, and you need to eat as soon as you come out. And uh, all that's, I don't know, it's just crazy. But we've got, we, we had to make an Ikea run because our Monday morning staff meetings, we are working through lists. And so be patient with us. I love being in our new home, but there's a lot we're trying to do and a lot we're catching up on and keeping up with. So we bought some more furniture this week and we're trying to get all that put together. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, Wayne and my dad. They spent yesterday morning out here grading our new uh, spot for the lot. The gravel's getting delivered this week. So uh, we're going to get more parking spaces. You'll be able to circle the entire facility. So if you come around back, you'll be able to drive up on the gravel and, and uh, back out into the front. So if you're dropping off family members and you're going to find a park, it, we're, we're doing everything to get everything settled down. So be patient with us. Our, my team, I'm, I'm wearing them out because every Monday we're like, so what do we need to do? I, you, you know, when you've, you moved into a new home before, right? And you're like, I think the couch is going to go here. And then three weeks later, no, let's put the couch over here. That's kind of the mode we're in right now, so be patient with us. We got signage on the way and all kinds of stuff. So if this is your first time, then, then we're glad you're here. Um, you don't know any about the problems. We don't have problems at all. This is awesome. We moved in. Everything works great. We knew how to work the air conditioner and heat day one. <laughs> That's funny. I say that because the week one, it was not that way. So we're working on things. Um, also, uh, thank you, guys, for your, uh, those of you who were able to buy gifts for the Northbrook kids. I love that. I love that our church gets to be the hands and the feet of Jesus each year um, working with Northbrook. We've got several teachers from Northbrook that come to the creek. And um, let, me, let me help you with what, with what you do. Uh, when you came in and you saw the bags and, and the gifts, we don't just buy Christmas presents. Um, we're actually working at something much larger than that. We're hoping to give hope 
to maybe some kids who don't understand that there is hope. And so when you buy Christmas presents, you're actually doing something to change generations. Uh, Here's what I firmly believe. I believe one of the kids or many of the kids that get gifts this year, that God can do something in that. And, And one day they'll look at their kids and you go, you know what? There was one time that somebody did something for me that I'll never be able to repay. And I'll, I don't even know that I'll ever be able to thank them. But here's what happened. It sparked hope in my life. And so you're not just buying clothes and toys. I mean, we're, we're working at something much bigger than this. Our little guy got a helicopter, which was awesome. Heather walked in with it. I was like, is that for me? She goes, no, this is for our little guy. I was like, well, then you get me one because it'd be awesome to annoy the dog with. I mean, I, you just you imagine, I mean, there's all, that's the game around our house. How can we annoy the dog? Because I know he plays the same game with us. So, but uh, <clears throat> thank you for bringing those today. And if you're, if you're sitting here and you're like, I forgot them, then you can do the mad dash after church. Um, we'll be up here tomorrow morning for staff meeting, so you can bring it up tomorrow. Uh, we are delivering those gifts to Northbrook uh, Wednesday at 4.30. Uh, Northbrook is over off of Cantrell Sansom. If you can Google it, it's on the Eagle Mountain Saginaw ISD website. We're all going to be there at 4.30. We get to go in and actually be a part of giving the gifts to the families, which is, which is really incredible. So if you've never done that, I invite you out to do that. And uh, if those of you who have done it understand what kind of a blessing that is. Um, so let's go on. Romans chapter 2. Uh, that's where we're at. And um, if you don't have a Bible, we, as Adam said, we keep some on the back tables for you. Uh, you can borrow that. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift for you. And um, you can also find us online. Version is a free app. And uh, you can find, uh, they have tons of Bible translations. We have been teaching out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, since we moved in. And uh, you can also find us on the live tab and you'll see our notes and things. We do fill-in notes. We started a couple weeks ago uh, moving through the book of Romans, and I've got to say, uh, it's one of those books that sometimes I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew. This is a very academic book. It's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a book that has incredible depth because Paul uh, is dealing with a lot of doctrine and theology, and, and it's just rich, and he opens it up, and, and I've got to tell you, the last several weeks have been difficult to preach because... He, you, those of you who know me know I love teaching the happy and the, and the excited stuff. And, and you know, there's, there's bad news, but there's Jesus. And, and we've got that today. But I've got to tell you, the last couple of weeks have been difficult uh, to teach. And really, as I've been preparing, uh, it's just been, God, I just need you to give me what you want to say because I, I can read the scripture, but it, I need you to help us so we don't walk away feeling hopeless. And, and last week, we, we talked about the spiral of darkness that uh, we're born into sin. And, and since the time of Adam and Eve in the garden, when they fell, you have death reigning. And what that does to us, and that, that it just takes us into this, this spiral. And, and we're born broken, and we invent ways of living out that brokenness. And last week was difficult. This week is, is just as difficult. And so I'll ask for your grace, but here's what I want us to do. I want us to understand that we're going to look at this, we're going to study this Roman scripture, that it is written to a group of Christians in Rome in the first century. And so when we study scripture, we want to understand what is the original intent and the meaning to its original audience. So Paul, the apostle Paul, is the author of and he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. This isn't Paul saying, I'm going to write a letter. 
It's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he's got a message. He's got something he, that God is teaching to the Roman Christians in the first century Rome. And, and then for us to have the Bible, because it is living and breathing and active, and it, it has all of this, this work in our life today, then as we study what it meant to the original audience, we kind of cross that bridge and go, okay, what does this mean in our life? God, what do you want to change in my heart? How do you want to shape me and mold me more to live in line with your word? The dangerous thing is when we come to God's word and go, let me see if God's word will fit my life. Because I can tell you from experience, it's not gonna happen. When we approach God's word, he says, I want my word to shape you, to form you and to mold you. And his goal is to form us and mold us into the image of his son, who is Jesus, because he is the, the only righteous one. He is the perfect one. He's God in the flesh. And he says, I want you to look like him. And so as we move through this, um, we're going we're gonna to go through and study kind of what's going on. Now, Romans chapter 2 starts out. Therefore, you have no excuse. And to understand that, that we've got to understand what, what he finished up in chapter one with last week when we talked about God giving us over, that, that if we're just going to let darkness surround us and we're going to continue that spiral into darkness, that God says, okay, I'm just going to give you over to it. I love you, but, but if you're going to sear your conscience towards me and not listen to anything that I, I have to say, I'm just going to give you over to it. And it's going to be a deep, dark spiral. And we saw the things that God gave them over to. He, he gave them over to the desires of their flesh. He gave them over to, to the sin that we listed. And we all found ourselves somewhere in that list of sin. Even, even when it says, you will create ways of doing evil. And so we come out of this, and the tendency is when we see a list of sins in the Bible, we automatically start to think, at least I'm not that bad. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm just like, I'm glad I don't deal with that. But Paul starts out in chapter two, goes, hey, hey, you've got no excuse. You don't have the right to judge based on how good or bad that list is because you found yourself somewhere in that list. And the reality is, every one of us are going to stand before God in judgment one day. We will stand before the judge. This summer, um, I, I had to go with Abby before the judge. And I'm going to tell this story. And I got clearance from her last night, so I don't have to pay her 20 bucks. Those of you who know me, the, the deal is, if I, if I tell a story on one of the, the people in my household, and I haven't gotten permission to tell the story, I owe them 20 bucks. And Abby's sad that we've gone from three services to two services because she was like, isn't that 60 bucks? Because you taught that three times. That's not how it works. But I got clearance. I keep my money this time. I'm saving that for your Christmas present. Anyway, she got, she got a speeding ticket at the end of the school year last year in a school zone. And, and I had grace for her. And, and, and I mean, I understand the situation. I understand what was going on. And so she gets a ticket, and we've got to go before the judge. Now, I don't know. I'm, it was an interesting thing because, because I'm feeling for her. I'm like, you know, I can't take care of this for her. She's got to go before the judge. And, and I, I was already nervous. We walk in the courtroom, and there's automatically kind of an intimidation factor. It was teen court, so it was all juvenile cases. 
So I was like, man, we're, we're going to have to sit here for two hours. We're not even going to hear anything good, you know. It's all going to be, I was speeding, I ran a stop sign. You know, it's all juvenile traffic crimes. So it's like, I was, you know, I don't know. But so I'm like, great. So we walk in, and uh, the bailiff says, there's a trash can right there. No gum, no candy. If you've got it, spit it out. Take out your phone, turn it off. Not to silent, turn it off. And I'm like, man, this is hardcore. Like, it's not, you're like asking me to take my right arm off, okay? Do you realize I'm a pastor? My phone goes off all the time. I mean, just in, if we're in here for two hours, somebody could be dying and I don't know about it. I mean, you don't understand, but all right, I'll play along. So, because I, I, I thought, you, and you guys are like me, you think, yeah, I could just put it on silent, you know, because, you know, I make sure to put it on silent. Like when I go to the movies, it says, put your phone on silent, I put it on silent. So I'm thinking, I better, not, I better not risk this. So I would get up and go to the restroom every once in a while, turn it on, check it. So anyway, we're sitting there. The judge gets up, and she comes in, and she tells us all the same thing. If you've got gum or candy, spit it out. You can do it right now for free. If you've got your phone, you can take it out, you turn it off. If I hear your phone or if I see you looking at your phone, I will collect it and you will write a five-page paper and in five days you will turn that paper into me and then you can get your phone back. And I'm like, she's hardcore with these kids. And she goes, and I mean the parents too. I was like, oh no, that's over top. Like, hey, no. Like, I'll leave Abby with you for five days. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Thank you. I knew I'd mess it up somehow. <laughs> so anyway, she calls up the first kid. And he gets up and she said, and she was very chipper. And I was like, this is just kind of fun to watch. So she goes, well, good morning, young man. How are you? He's like, oh, fine. And she goes, okay, time out. Why don't you go sit down and let me start over? So he sits down and she says, ladies and gentlemen, kids, I'm the judge in this courtroom. I'm the authority in this courtroom. And there will be respect in my courtroom. And I set the level of respect. If I feel or think you're disrespecting me in how you act, speak, do anything, then I'm going to have you sit down and you will wait till the very end and I will deal with you one-on-one. Are we clear on that? Yes, ma'am? They're like, yes, ma'am. So she calls him up again. How are you? And he walks up to the podium. She goes, how are you, young man? He goes, I'm fine. How are you today? <laughs> I was like, awesome. Even Abby was nervous, man. I was nervous for Abby. So she gets up and, and you know, I'm just like, have grace on her, have grace on her. Insurance, insurance, point out, have grace on her, please. You know, and Abby gets up and she's like, yeah, I was, gu- I, I, I was guilty. I was speeding. And I was like, she should be able to give an account because I know the story. Nope. The judge like, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. And she's, she's working with her. And, and here's the beauty of it is, is she worked with every person. But we will all stand before the judge. And, and here's the thing. He's going to set the level because God judges righteously. And he sets the level of righteousness for which he will judge by. So when we, can't, we, when we come up, He's judging based on the law. The same thing the judge with Abby. Here's the law. Do not speed. This is the speed limit. This is what you were doing. Did you break the law? Yes or no? 
And when we stand before God, did you break the law? Yes or no? Are you righteous or unrighteous? It's yes or no. And God will judge that righteously. Let's go on. Um, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Now, here's the thing. In that courtroom, the judge is, is telling the kids, she said, look, every one of you are here because you have had a traffic violation. And for, for most of you, this is your first one. And she said, for all of you, this won't be your last one. And then she told the kids, last year, I got a speeding ticket. Now, it kind of makes you feel good that the judge got a speeding ticket, right? You're like, yeah, that's right. There's justice. That's Proverbs uh, 21, that that for the righteous, there's joy when justice comes. But for the the evildoer, it's terror. But I, I was like, yeah, that's right. But what Paul's doing is saying, look, okay, the tendency is coming out of chapter one is to start judging people who wrestle with sin. And when we fall into that, when we start judging people based on that, it's a very slippery slope and a fine line of getting into hypocrisy. Because what we tend to do is we judge people harder for the same sin that we wrestle with. And I know this because I I know what I wrestle with. And I tend to have less grace and less leniency on people who wrestle with the same thing. And I think that falls into the blame and control category because if I can't control my own sin, then I can rail against yours. And what Paul's saying is, look, you have sin in your life. You can't judge righteously. And when you start judging, you're storing up wrath. And then he starts to go into, or, or do, you, do you presume on the kindness of God? Do you presume on his patience that just because God hasn't done anything in your life against the sin that that we have, that he approves of it? You see, we can fall into the danger of thinking we're too good. The enemy will lie to us and say, you're not that bad. What he's doing, he's setting us up for a fall. The other thing that we can't fall into the trap of is thinking, well, if God hasn't smited me, if God hasn't punished me, if God hasn't shown up and said, you need to stop this, then he must approve. And I think that's just as dangerous as being judgmental of other people's sins because then we start to presume that a judge who can judge righteously approves of our behavior. And Paul said that's not the case. God's kindness is meant to bring you to repentance. That when God has patience with you, when God has forbearance with you, he's saying, look, I'm extending my grace and my patience to you to bring you to repentance. And we've heard a lot of definitions about repentance, and you know, we think it's, it's to be walking one way and turn from the other. Here's the problem that I've found in my Christian life. I get dizzy when I think about that. 
because I'm like, God, I'm pursuing you and your holiness. Oh, but this sin is just so nice and enticing. God, I'm pursuing you and your holiness. You see how exhausting that can be? Repentance is when we come to the realization that we need a savior and then we submit and surrender ourselves to him. Because what happens is the sin, that, that, that the appetites for sin, and we're all born with different appetites for sin. We're all born with an appetite for sin, but it's gonna play out differently. And so we start, we start living our life, tracking that way, and then when God comes in with his patience and his peace in our life, and when we realize we have a need for the Savior, that this sin that we're pursuing just leaves us empty and will lead us into experiencing the wrath of God, And then we realize, wait, I don't have to continue to live this way. Jesus, I'm submitting and surrendering myself to you. And then we have to live free from that sin. And that doesn't always happen immediately. But the repentance is saying, Jesus, I need your power at work that there are these desires, there's these appetites, and I need your desires, your power, your appetite to be the greatest in my life. And I need you to be my savior. So, so we go on um, in verse five. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jews first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Here's what Paul's saying here. The theme of this little, this little paragraph is that God judges based on reality. And, and, and it's important for us to understand reality. Our TVs are filled with reality shows where honestly there ain't nothing real about that. I love watching them. I know we all do. I mean, we, uh, there's just something about dysfunction, right, that just seems to make ratings go up. Well, I, I, I can't go in. Okay, I'm going to, I got a bunny trail here, and I'm going to stop. But, but here's the thing. We start acting based on what we decide is reality. The problem with that is that we have nothing to anchor reality or even morality into when it's based on our idea. When, when we say that God judges based on reality, God sets the standard for morality. God sets the standard for righteousness. And as we, we live, here's the reality that I find. When, when I start living based on my idea of morality, I start bumping up against scriptural truths. Because the things that I can find detestable I may then be slid into, it's not that bad. And then it goes into a full acceptance. It's what Paul says, you're judging them, but you're doing the same thing. 
And then, then your reality becomes skewed and God's gonna judge based on reality. And he's gonna judge it based on what you do. Now, this, this, isn't, this isn't getting into this idea that, that when we stand before God as our judge, that heaven is a giant scale. Yeah, picture it. When, when I think about this, I, I think we could, we could reduce it to a giant game show that you walk in and there's lights and everything and there's, there, there's an announcer going, now here comes Matt, he's coming up, he passed away like just today and we're gonna come up and we're gonna look at his life and we're gonna see if he's in or he's out. And the whole audience like, he's in or he's out, I don't know. And the lights are going off and people are doing everything. And so all of a sudden I step forward and you know, the music drops down, the lights are, you know, and it's like, it's all on Matt, you know. And like the devil comes out like, here's all the bad stuff he did. And then Jesus comes out like, here's all the good stuff he did. And then so they start weighing and the scale, and they put it on just right so it stays pretty even, and it's doing this, and then all of a sudden the announcer goes, and we're gonna find out if Matt gets in right after the break. And so it goes to commercial, you know, that's, that's the way it goes, and so you sit through eight minutes of commercials, and they come back. Now, previously, we're looking at Matt's life. He passed away, and so they're gonna replay it, everything in 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden the scale's doing this, and, and, and they're just like, is he in or is he out? And then they make a decision based on how bad or how good my life is. That's not the truth. The reality is when we, when we stand before God, whether it's he calls us home or, or, or he comes back to take us home, we will stand before him. And yes, the devil will be there to accuse us and say, he's terrible, she's terrible. And then Jesus steps out and he drops his drop of blood and he says, that covers it all. And God says, come on in, son. Welcome home, my daughter. And then the, the judgment that happens after that when we stand before based on our actions will happen after that. It's not, an, for us who are in Christ, it's not a, do we get to go to heaven or not? But God's gonna say, look, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You accepted Jesus as a sacrifice for your sin, that he gave his life for you and you surrendered yourself to him as, as your savior. So you're, you're in but let's look at the opportunities you had to live the life that I created you to live. And he's gonna look at reality of our life. He's gonna play back a reality show of our life. And he's gonna say, you had an opportunity here. And it's not, it's not condemnation. He's not gonna say, you screwed that up. I know many of us have heard that in our life where we feel like God just watches and goes, you really messed that one up. You blew that opportunity. He's going to lovingly help us see the opportunities that we missed. And he's going to help us see the opportunities that he led us into that we were able to make Jesus clear and the effects and impacts of what that has on, on many people's eternities. And he's going to judge us based on reality. And he's going to do this based on his truth. Because God sets the standard. God is truth. And he is the way through that truth. So he also judges impartially. He said in verse 11, God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So he's saying whether you've got the law or not, the law is the, is the Pentateuch, the first five books in the Old Testament. 
Because when you think about it, we have the entire Bible. These people are just receiving this letter. So what they had was the Old Testament. They had the law and the prophets. And he said, so if you had the law and the prophets, you're going to be judged based on that. If you didn't have the law and the prophets, you're still going to be judged based on that. Because in chapter 1, God said, I've made it plain to man who I am. My power, my character, everything, I made it plain through creation and through conscience. I've made it plain. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So what, what, what he's saying here is that, that God judges impartially. You see, it was a tendency in the first century, especially here in Rome, for the Jews to think we're God's chosen people. And the Gentiles are not. And what Paul's saying, he's like, look, because of Jesus, your brothers and sisters, there's no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no slave, there's no free, there's no male, there's no female. And God's going to judge impartially. He's not a respecter of persons. And because we have no excuse, we can't say, I never had the Bible. No one ever read me the Bible, I never studied the Bible. Because God, he says here that, that when Gentiles who do not have the law act according to the law, it's because of what God has put in them and they create a law around it. So, so when, when we talked about the revelation of God last week, that, that creation testifies to God's existence, but also an internal revelation of conscience. That even though we're born broken and we know how to do wrong, we know that it's wrong. And we're born with this desire for a savior. Solomon said that God set eternity in the heart of man. We're born with something to get back to the harmony that was in the garden before the fall of man, before the appetite of sin and death took over. And what God is doing, he's saying, look, you need to understand the reality of the situation that you will all stand before God and you will not have an excuse. I love pleading ignorance in so many things. Do this construction project. I could go in and go, I've never done this before, but that doesn't seem right to me. I could play ignorant through the whole thing. And it worked on some cases. I knew it was wrong. I was like, I, I'm not sure if this is the way it should be done, but I don't think that's the way it should be done. And they're like, you're right, it shouldn't be done that way. We need to fix that. <laughs> yes. Ignorance is not gonna work when we stand before God. You know, I just didn't know. And, and I'm not trying to scare you into this. No, this is not a scare tactic this morning. But the reality is, is we, 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 we tend to live as though there's no consequences. And what scripture is bringing us back to is the reality that one day we will stand before God. And it's not how we, let me, let me help you with this. Because if, if, if you walk away today thinking, you know, God's my judge and I'm going to stand before him and it's wrath. There's grace. But that grace comes through Jesus. And yes, he, he judges based on how we live. And he's going to look at our actions. 
but Christianity is not behavioral modification. You can't behave your way into heaven. Here's what happens. When God judges based on the truth, it's the truth of his word. And he's going to do that right. Genesis 18 says, shall not the God of the earth do what is just? And so when we think about this, it's not behavior modification. God's not saying, behave this way so I'll love you. What happens is he begins to change us. When we surrender ourselves to him as our savior, then what happens is our heart is transformed. Our mind is renewed and that changes how we live life. When you, when you start tracking it this way, how we think is how we feel and how we feel is how we act. And how we act is very important. But if we start trying to, trying to make Christianity and following Jesus' behavioral modification, like you need to act like Jesus, act like Jesus, act like Jesus, act like Jesus. If our heart and mind hasn't been renewed and transformed, there's no way we can do that. Even with a renewed heart and mind, I find it difficult on a daily basis to behave like Jesus. Because he's perfect. And so what has to happen is we've got to get back to the core and say, say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. Jesus, I need you to be my savior and I'm surrendering myself to you. Transform my heart. Renew my mind so that I live a different life. Because here's the reality. He's created each one of us to live a life that reflects him and glorifies him. And what God is saying is when you stand before me, here's what I want. I want you to have represented me well. When Abby stood before the judge, I was hoping that she would reflect her parents well, that she would be respectful and she would be honest and she would be mature of character. And I gotta say I'm proud of my girl because she did that. And what God wants for us is when we stand before him, we reflect him well. And not just in that moment, but when we leave this room and we go to the places we do life, he's saying, I just, I want you to reflect me well. Because I've given you this life. I've created you for purpose. And I want to see you live that purpose. Because that's what I'm going to judge you on. He has high expectations for us, but here's the beauty of it. He knows that we're capable of it. Because he is helping us live it. You see, grace isn't lowering the bar. Grace is helping us over the bar when we don't make it. And he says, I have grace. And you can do this. Let's all stand and I'm going to pray for us. Father, we love you. We love your word. I'm so grateful that you are honest with us and you're willing to give us difficult passages to reveal your character, to reveal your truth, and to change us. God, may we leave this room changed by the truth of your word that even though it's not the easiest of passage, passages to wrestle with, it's your truth. 
And no longer can we say that, that we're ignorant of your word. So I pray that you help us. Would you give us grace? Would you help us to reflect you well? Because we get so busy reflecting ourselves and the things we want, the things we, we do want to do and don't want to do, and we just get so caught up in this, God. Would you just bring us back to, to your truth? Would you bring us back and restore in us a righteousness? Father, if there's anyone in this room that, that has never surrendered to you as Savior, that maybe, maybe the lie of the enemy has been, if you, if you just act good enough, then everything's okay. That, that, God, there's just something broken in that. And that it's because of your blood. It's because of Jesus who was born and lived a perfect life and gave his life on the cross and was resurrected on the third day. It's because of that that we can surrender to you. That you, the judge, will help us live a righteous life. Father, I pray that you give them the courage to not just recognize the need for a Savior, but to surrender to you. And Father, may the first step that they take is to this altar, that as our prayer team is ready, that maybe they just come and say, you know what? I need some grace. I need some hope. I need some help. Would you give them that courage? And Father, for us, would you give us the courage, the strength, and the ability that as we leave this place today, we reflect you well in everything we do. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.